be carrying, Dan? Nothing I would want found secreted on me. Worst coming to worst. Well, don't say you ain't bringing your blade. Naked, visible in its fucking sheath, and dispensable before we join. He dispenses with his. If it's getting to go wrong, Dan, you just drop down flat. The fuck did you just say? Drop flat if it's going wrong. And I'll blow his fucking head off. You do, and it'll be the last goddamn thing you do on this fucking earth. Going wrong is not the end of fucking things, Johnny. Fuck no. I have come back from plenty of shit that looked like it was going wrong. All right, man. Atlantic City is a shithole. Um, so I've never been. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a cool place to me. Um, and, and the same way that, like, Myrtle Beach seems like a cool place. Hell yeah. Have you been to Myrtle Beach? No. Um, or Panama City. I like all these, like, places that are kind of shitty, but are like, I don't know. Like the Redneck Riviera is what they call the panhandle in Florida with, like, Panama City and Pensacola and stuff. I, I like have how- been there. I have been yeah. through that area. Yeah, I like how that's like that's where uh, WCW ran the Spring Break shows, Spring sure. Break Nights, which is so funny. Um, it's just Georgia, but sunnier. Um, are we are we recording right now? Are we? Are we? I in? think we're recording. Yeah. Okay, we're in. Welcome to Wrestling is Gross, everyone. Uh, this is episode fourteen. My name is Bucky. My name is Siobhan. Um And you may not realize from us uh doing our very smooth intro but we've we, we we've gone through a couple of intros here at this point uh just waiting to hit that right one i don't know if us talking about atlantic city and myrtle beach and uh panama city are are, are if that's like the the right way to start this but i think it'll work um this is episode 14 and we are doing something a little different this time instead of covering uh, your usual three to five uh, specific matches working under a, a specific theme. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things that are coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, the date today is May 31st. Um, in about, I believe, eight hours, the, uh, well, let's, let's start with, in about 32 hours, uh, Tournament of Survival, Game Changer Wrestling's Tournament of Survival uh, number four will be happening uh, at the showboat in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, are you familiar with the showboat? Um, it's like a mid-range casino. I mean, you have to be to, you know, uh, host GCW. Uh, yeah, I wasn't that's... sure if it was like a legitimate ho- like hotel casino, um, but it looks like it definitely is, and you can get a, a room for uh, as low as $56 a night. So, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably not tomorrow night, but that's pretty cool, you know. I'd, I'd love to be able to go see a show, um, and sleep right afterwards in the same place that I got fucking hammered in. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about, uh, a little preview of that tournament. This is the fourth one, obviously. Um, and we've got some, 
some opinions on some of the uh, competitors in that, uh, predictions and whatnot. Uh, but first, in about eight hours, the um, the Deadwood movie is coming on uh, HBO. The redo of the finale, the show that uh, one of many shows that never got a finale, uh, one of many David Milch shows that never got a finale. Uh, we're getting a finale, and um, so I wanted to uh, talk about it for a little while because it's a show that's very important to me and to you as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I f- so for me. Uh, Deadwood, of course, Deadwood is a television series that ran on HBO from 2004 to 2006. It is about the uh, the frontier town of Deadwood, South Dakota, I believe it is, South Dakota. Yeah. Um, but not, of course, un- unincorporated territory at the time. They were just sort of sitting on land that was uh, pretty hostile. Um, just, you know, clearly, that's, you know, that's the story of America. Everybody knows the story of America. Uh, Deadwood is very much the story of America. Um I watched this series with my mom, mostly. Um, she was very much in love with, with the show. Um, I know my wife had a very similar experience, that her parents were uh, really into it. And actually, to this day, she has trouble watching anything with Ian McShane in it because he uh, reminds her so much of her father, uh, both of her parents also deceased. Um, and I... Uh, Obviously, his character Al Swearingen, uh, same first name as her dad. So it's like a, it's all it's going to be emotional when we watch this in about eight hours. Do you have like a storied history with the show? Um, less so. Okay, so it's funny. Um, one of the things I, I remember when I was probably far too young when I was like it was right after I think it was after the show had gone off, but there was like a rerun. But it might have been while the show was in between the second and third seasons. I remember showing my mom an episode, and she was like, the language, it's like... But she cursed all the time, but it was very fun. It was weird. But anyway, she... Yeah, I, got the, I get the sense from what you've told me about your mother that she was she had a foul mouth. Yeah, it was sort of like... But then after... So we watched Justified. She loved Justified, and of course, there's Star of Justified, Mr. Sure. Seth Bullock himself, Tim Fiolifant. Another uh, show that I watched with my mom, yeah. Yeah, and... She, so I was like, you know, I mean, I know it's it's like problematic. It's like Deadwood. You would you would like it if you just like it, like knowledge that the language is just like part of the thing. And she was like, yeah. And then uh, she died. So I never watched, but I I watched it because like stuff like The Wire, and I didn't watch The Sopranos first there or anything like that. I did watch The Wire. Um, sure. I got into The Wire in between season four and five. It was that that 2006 period when uh, after it won like the Peabody Award, and it was that you know season four is the kids in school. Yeah, um, everybody was talking about it all of a sudden. It was like people like finally woke up, um, which was I guess around the same time the Deadwood ended 2006. Um, but yeah, I I also you know prestige dramas in that era. Uh, Mad Men started up, I believe, in 2007, uh, right yeah. after the end of, of The Sopranos. And I believe The Sopranos also ended in 2006, 2007. Um, so yeah, I think there's some overlap in airing between uh, Mad Men and Sopranos, but not in like production. Okay, sure. Um, or maybe the other way around, production but not airing? Maybe I don't remember exactly. I want to say the Mad Men debuted in the spring twenty seven, I mean two thousand seven, but I don't think it. But I might be completely wrong. Sure, it's so it's a, it's a it's a specific type of prestige TV that existed in that period. That when you look back on it, you 
and and you compare it to the shit we have now with like Game of Thrones or um, what 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 are what are people even like even like Breaking Bad and the I like Breaking Bad, but it, yeah, Breaking Bad was like made by X Files writers, and yeah, that's it, a good thing and a bad thing. It's cool. It's stylish. It's I mean, they're like talking about like Chernobyl and shit. They're like, oh my god, this looks like a shit show. I'm gonna uh, watch that Chernobyl show. I like I like miniseries. I'm I'm into the the concept of that. Uh, but like you watch the the fandom of Game of Thrones. Uh, grow to such a fever pitch here in the final season, and then I, I watched that series from the beginning. I, I've seen every episode. I read the first four books. Uh, as embarrassed as I am to admit such a thing, and uh, and yeah, I I I was I really enjoyed watching the people uh, turn on that show towards the end for good reason, um, obviously. But like, I can't imagine if it, so. If Dead, Deadwood ends, obviously, well. Season three of Deadwood. Uh, it's a f- total thirty-six episodes between the three seasons, and uh, it ends abruptly. It ends on sort of a non-finale uh, because the show got canceled. It was they didn't know this was the you know you know what happens when shows get canceled. They uh, they don't plan for their finale to be a finale, and so we're left in just sort of a state of um, unknowing chaos, and hopefully. We'll get some sort of resolution tonight's episode. Tonight's episode, tonight's tonight's overlong episode, um, about two hours in length, as far as I understand. I've stayed away from spoilers, uh, but it, it does take place ten years later, um, which obviously we're at thirteen years after the the end of the series. Um, obviously, if uh, some of the actors have passed away, uh, Powers Booth, who played Cy Tolliver, is no longer with us. Um, it's weird to say no longer with us. I usually wouldn't use that sort of uh, pussy-ass language, but I really like Powers yeah. Booth. <laughs> yeah. Um, My mom hated Powers Booth because of a, a TV movie where he played Jim Jones, and it's like, you know, he didn't really kill all those people in Guyana himself, I, Powers Booth. I have never seen that. That sounds awesome. Uh, I know yeah. my mom and dad both uh, like knew him from Tombstone. Like, obviously, very, yeah. you know, lowbrow shit. But one of my dad's favorite movies, if, you've, <laughs> if you couldn't have guessed, um, based on everything I've mentioned about my dad, of course, one of his favorite movies is fucking Tombstone. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a very special show, um, and we're lucky to get this. Uh, David Milch's David Milch, the, of course. I'm going to use some like some language here that is very um, obvious. You know, I'm just try and explain things because this is a pro wrestling podcast, and uh, we're going to talk about some pro wrestling that happens in the show more or less here in just a minute. Um, but yeah, David Milch, the creator, uh, head writer of the show, and uh, obviously head writer only means so much in certain cases but david milch is a dialogue guy he's got a he's got a very specific uh way for his characters to speak um as would be shown in the the show he did following this which was john from cincinnati which went 10 episodes and nobody except for i think me and you and again my mom uh liked john from cincinnati yeah. fucking kicks ass um, kicks ass yeah um, he's he's, he's luck. Got his, uh, so luck all right so luck of course uh um, I have not seen all, I believe, nine episodes of Luck. Luck, of course, was also a show on HBO. Uh, do you you know what happened with that, right? Do you want to give a little history on that? Yeah, okay, so Luck, if you weren't familiar, was a show about, um, a show about, you know, like, the sort of people you see, like, like it was a show about horse racing, but not about 
the horse, like, you know, the Grand, you know, your Calumet Farms kind of shit. It, it was wasn't Seabiscuit, definitely. Yeah. It was your, like, your fucking, um, bumps, <laughs> your, your, you know, like, right. you were desperate for that one, that, like, chasing, like, the trifecta of all their lives and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And, of course, and it was filmed at, uh, Santa Anita. I'm not uh, familiar. Uh, it's a it was filmed in one it's of those. A, it's a yeah, track. and like so, so it involved like live horses, of course. And sadly, and reasonably for why it was canceled, um, but it's like uh, <laughs> so horses died in the production. Oh, yeah, yeah how like, how many horses? I'm gonna Google how many horses died during the filming of Luck. I'm just gonna type that. How many horses died in World War One? Okay, uh, <laughs> during. Filming of Ben Hur. Wow, this is a common thing. Uh, three um, horse deaths. Three. HBO has uh, March fourteenth, two thousand twelve. Up, update. HBO has ended its Dustin Hoffman drama series in the wake of three deaths of horses during filming. Um. So yeah, <laughs> three. I think that's it. two two dead horses. Yeah. Let's see. It's got Dustin Hoffman in it. Dennis Farina's here. Let's let it play out. Three horses. All right, we got to... Time to time to put a halt yeah. to this one. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Nick Nolte. Uh, two dead horses, and that's just a, that's a Michael Cimino special, you know. That's fine. <laughs> Man, um, it it's a it's a real it's a real shame. Um, that was a cool show. I only watched the first two or three. Uh, I started after it got canceled, and I felt at some point where I was just like, I, "What am I watching this for?" If it's if it's if I know it's not getting any sort of an ending, um, but yeah, luck is a cool a cool weird thing uh, that felt like you know the beginning of another you know high end but underrated um, HBO prestige drama, um, and then of course he was also uh, I believe he I don't think he would call him the showrunner, but he helped uh, Nick Pizzolatto um, write the scripts for season three of True Detective, which. If you watch season two of True Detective, you know that Nick Fisolato needed some fucking help. Um, I have not watched season three of True Detective, but I'm sure, from what I understand, it's it's pretty okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I've made, I've made this point, but like the thing about True Detective is that season two is bad in the context that it makes season one like it exposes a lot of shit about season one mm-hmm. that you're like, oh man, this is the show is ninety percent women's asses. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like, do you remember, like, people were writing about, like, how that was, it like, a tone to, like, the, uh, the female ass about, like, I, I don't remember that. Season I, oh, I, my I, God, that shit would not fly today. That was, that <laughs> is an extremely, it happened thing. I don't, it's so wild that that, and it's a good, I mean, it's a good se- season, but it's also, it's still flawed. And a lot of why, what makes it memorable is stuff that is sort of, like, a parody at this point. Time is a flat circle. I think most. Yeah, sure. The, the long take, the long take, uh, in that was not filmed in, but set in my hometown of Beaumont, Texas. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy. I think I enjoyed that that first season of True Detective mainly because um, I like Southeast Texas and Southwest Louisiana. I just dig that area, and I I, it, it, I felt very at home in its disgusting nature. Um, also, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, as much as they are parodies of themselves, at this point, that was them really leaning into their own personalities. Um, I, I, yeah, I like I like that first season a lot, and um, season two is 
bad but also super fucking funny and if you like bad if you like good bad tv doesn't get much uh bad better better bad than fucking season two of of true detective yeah rachel mcadams is the knife lesbian cop uh, yeah i don't think she was a lesbian i don't remember to be honest if, she was confused. but she was a knife yeah she was that, that's like you can you can read between the pictures the the, the text yeah. there's there's no such thing as a knife straight woman yeah, the knife pervert, Rachel McAdams. Um, yeah, so that's... David Milch also wrote, of course, for NYPD Blue in the 90s. He's got a hell of a lineage, and he is coming back uh, to to just write this. Hey, I guess he... I, I, don't think he's, I don't think he directs anything. Um, I'm not sure who... I think maybe Ed Bianchi is directing the Deadwood movie. Um, I did see... I, I've, I haven't seen any sort of... Um, trailer uh, i've seen minimal talk about it i heard like we were driving and uh, npr was on uh, sue me it was on it's fine um and they yeah. played some all things considered uh preview of it and i heard like a couple of lines of dialogue and that's about it and i was amazed that they could find two lines of dialogue that you could play on npr without uh you know bleeping the shit out of it um, Deadwood movie director, but yeah, it's an important thing. Daniel Minahan, he's a guy who's directed a ton of those shows. Yeah. Um, the uh, the thing that we really wanted to talk about, and we had been talking, we had, we had spoken to each other about um, doing this fight, covering this fight in a, in an episode of this show. We've talked about it for quite a while. Um probably since before the first episode was recorded. Um, I, I believe it's season three, episode five. Yes. Okay. Um, season three, episode five uh, of the series. The fight is, um, well, the, the characters within are Dan Doherty, uh, played by W. Earl Brown. Um, yeah. And he is, he is fighting Captain Jack. Is that correct? I think it's Captain Joe. Captain. I don't know. Let's call him Captain Turner. Captain Turner, yeah, Captain Turner. I don't think it came up enough to hear his first name, to be truthful. Sure. It so, was sad, but who, who gives a shit? Right. Captain Turner is uh, the sort of henchman, uh, bodyguard muscle of, uh, of uh, Gerald McRaney's character, George Hurst, who George Hurst... Is, is he the father of William Randolph Hearst? Maybe the yes. grandfather? Okay, so that would make him the great-grandfather of Patty Hearst. Do I have that right? Yes. Okay, so of course, if you those names, if you don't know who those people are, you've probably at least heard them in passing. Of course, William Randolph Hearst was a fucking media mogul um, who... The, they say Charles Foster Kane, the, the character... That's right, Charles Foster Kane. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Orson Welles and Citizen Kane, based on, based on this guy's son, basically. Um, but uh, George Hurst was a like horrible uh, robber baron, like capitalist pig, who was um, uh, violent and uh, just a, a massive villain of the time. Uh, would exploit uh, the the lands and the and the willingness of anybody who stood in his way to. Um, you know, build an empire, basically. Um, he was a real any- American. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and, um, okay, so, uh, Captain Turner is played by Alan Graff, who is a stunt coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, one of the most respected, um, particularly does football stuff, like Friday Night Lights, um, Any Given Sunday, The Replacements, and has an explicit, like, you read the Wikipedia on this guy, which I have a couple of times, because I think think this is a thing, it's like, it's like, it'll be like, all, like, he played for, um, USC uh, in college, and that's a hell of a program. Okay, and like sure. was like, and this is like he has like very he, he like ca- like auditioned like four hundred uh, people like guys to be on the Friday Night Lights team for this okay. like fucking movie. I mean, this is like a maniac dedicated to getting it right. Yeah, and okay, I'm he's the this one here. who did. The, yeah, and he is the one who um, was tasked with coordinating this fight, and it this this gets it right. Yeah, so he, so all right, so Dan Doherty is. Um, I I've always said Doherty. It shows as Doherty here, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be it's, Doherty. It's Doherty, but it's like when I think like the original is Doherty, but it's like we wouldn't necessarily pronounce. It wouldn't have been pronounced as Doherty. It's like one of those things. Like well, there's some classic, like not like the te- like it's ninety percent the same name sort of things. Sure. Or Deadwood, like there are five series Boardwalk Empire as well. Um, yeah, like, uh, where and like he is, you know, one of Alswear Engines, um, his henchman, one of his top, like his lieutenants, which is a stupid way to put it. It's it's, it's not capos. as de- yeah, it's like it's not as defined as all that gabagool. Uh, but he, uh, but he is just, he's the guy he you send in to beat the shit out of people, and yeah. Swear Engine, as if you know, is. He's a cold-blooded motherfucker, so it's like if he has a guy who he needs to... I mean, it's a cold-blooded motherfucker, but you'll see, and I mean, if you watch this, like, one of the things about it is sort of a test of, between Hearst and Swearingen, who has the real sort of... who is the more, you know, cold-blooded and... Yeah, the more ruthless, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Um, the the lead into this is, all right, season three, episode five, the episode title is A Two-Headed Beast, and this episode is directed by Daniel Minahan, who is the director of the movie that's coming out tonight. Um, In an episode prior to this, um, George Hurst, uh, along with the help of... Captain Turner uh, held Al Swearingen down when Al would not. Al, of course, Al Swearingen, the owner of the Gym Saloon, a notorious pimp, and one of the town leaders, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, an evil person who is also respected and has some good in his heart, in theory. Um, he holds him down and uh, chops his finger off. So that happens a, a couple episodes prior to this, and ever since then, Dan Doherty, looking to defend his uh, father figure, um, his boss, uh, wants to wants to kill Captain Turner because Captain Turner keeps giving him looks. Um, so yeah, uh, this uh, this aired July 9th, two thousand six. We will link it in the show notes. It'll be the only actual video link. Um, but it has... All right, so I'm moving to my notes here. Uh, it has a very pure sports build. I'll say that. Yes. <laughs> um, the the clip that we have opens with Al, Al Swearingen coming down um, after... I'm not sure what precedes it, but I'm guessing a long stare down across the way uh, with Hurst and, and tells Dan, all right, you can fight him. Um 
and Dan's excited. Uh, you then see Dan and uh, one of the other right hand right hand men of Al, uh, Johnny Burns, uh, in the in the I guess washroom of of this brothel that they run, and Dan is uh, greasing himself up, putting some disgusting grease on himself, like gre- greases his like balls, like yeah, shades of Satu Jen, of course. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> and uh, and Johnny at at some point, Johnny's like so they. Here's the thing: this is a wrestling match, okay? Um, yeah. Johnny's setting up the run in prior to the match. He says, "If you drop down and you need me, I'll blow his fucking head off." Um, and Dan says, no fucking way. Uh, Dan's a very much an anti-hero in the situation. Um, and I'm not sure the, the line, I don't think I have it written down right here. Um, but Johnny says, I'm just saying, if it's going wrong, I'm, I'm here. And Dan says, going wrong is not the end of fucking things, Johnny. I've come back from things going wrong before. Something along those lines. You'll hear the yeah. clip. Um, he- it's, it's he a is a, a man of honor. It's a fucked up kind of honor, but it is still an honor regardless. He, this is a man Gav Sapolsky would have. Uh, he would love. Sure, sure. Oh. He would have. He, he'd be booked like uh, your your JD Drakes of the world for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. keep trying to. We'll keep trying to bring it back uh, to wrestling. Um, we also get a promo from George Hurst and Captain Turner in their hotel room across the thoroughfare. Which is the street? If you're don't, if you're not familiar with some of the terminology, yeah. um, Hearst is reminiscing about another fight that Captain Her- Turner had back in Star City. Uh, I'm not sure where Star City is. That's Utah, maybe. Um, yeah, Nevada. I'm not sure off the top sure. of Nevada. They've traveled a lot, and um, and Hearst has had a lot of people killed, and Captain Turner has done that killing for him. And yeah. Hearst says. Uh, that was a memorable fight back in Star City, and and Captain Turner says, "I wouldn't call it that." <laughs> and so George Hurst is basically Gary Hart. Yes. <laughs> Do you think that's fair? That's a good one. Yeah, this is um, sort of you know uh, a moneyed up. Yeah, I mean, Gary Hart is the moneyed up version of a uh, of you know a uh, Robert Fuller. So sure. Sure. Yeah. And then it, that would make George Hurst the very moneyed up version of Gary Hart. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so we the the whole build up for this. It's like an eight minute clip that we're gonna link that has these pre match promos as long as well as the complete match. Um, the future Bosch star. Um, if you if you're a big any of our Bosch heads out there, uh, Titus Welliver is here. Obviously, he's one of Al Swearingen's other right hand men. And at the, oh, excuse me, my goodness. Um, at this point, I was reminded that season three of Deadwood is without a doubt the long hair season. Um, everybody's hair is very long in Deadwood season three. This might be one of the longest haired uh, seasons of TV ever that wasn't like set in the sixties. Yes, especially yeah for um, the 1960s, what you would call sorry yeah you would call <laughs> like a period piece especially yeah, like definitely this is eighteen seventy seven yeah. I would guess. I believe is yeah. the, the time here. Um, the I, you get a title card, or you get like a uh, a card at the beginning of the first episode uh, that says eighteen seventy six, I believe. Um, and obvi- obviously, also as we've haven't gone over it enough, Deadwood is a town 
that is a like a gold mining town. Uh, it's part of the, the gold rush. And so that's why everybody wants to come in and get this land. That's pretty much the, the driving force behind like what is what is going on behind the scenes here. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue, obviously, throughout the town with a, you know, two, three dozen very interesting characters that are all very well acted. Um, but really the reason everybody's here is because there's gold here. And anybody who's not here because of gold is here because those people are here and they want to make money off those people who are here because of the gold, um, which is how industry works. So, right, is that fair? Did I yeah. sound smart? <laughs> no. No, no, it sounded good. It sounded okay. good. <laughs> so... They both walk outside, and they see each other from across the thoroughfare, and they remove their weaponry and await the passing wagon, and then they lock up, big collar and elbow tie up in the street, basically. Yeah. Um, do you do you have any any highlights from like the first half of this fight that you want to you want to shout out? Um, before they hit the ground, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. cause that's when okay, because there are some there are twists and turns in this. It's it's um. It's got heat segments, baby face yeah. comebacks, it's got it all. Um, one of the things that is, like, it's sort of more overall is, like, the the contrast of, like, how there are people who are standing and sort of, like, watching, like, who understand both, either understand the significance of this event or are just, like, they just want to see a fucking fight, you know, because, I mean, they're bloodthirsty pieces of shit. Sure. But they're also just people who are just walking up past. Yes, they there's a lot of to indifference, be. too. It's sort of, it, uh, to bring it back to Gabe, this is sort of like an Evolve crowd at Laboom. <laughs> it's a 50-50 split, but yeah. not, but both these guys versus, I, I, I want to go home. Yeah, man, what if both of these guys' chance started out? Um, yeah, so yeah, we do get lots of hard shots, and uh, then they roll around. We get some mat work, of course. Uh, and this is its a very close fight, very close in the way Parat and Kampf was close, of course. Um, we see Hurst emerge onto the roof outside of his room uh, through the hole that he bust in his wall with a sledgehammer a couple uh, episodes earlier. Um, <laughs> George Hurst bought this hotel uh, went into the the nicest biggest room, and then uh, put a hole through a hole in the wall with a fucking sledgehammer so he could walk out onto a makeshift balcony. Um, he walks out there, and he's uh, Gerald McRaney is a ma- and Gerald McRaney is still alive and is playing George Hurst in this in this new uh, movie that's coming out tonight, which is spoilers, but I'm very excited because I thought he had almost definitely thought he had died. Um, <laughs> No, he was married to uh, Dixie Carter, not TNA Dixie Carter. Uh, oh, designing women. women Dixie Carter. Hell yeah! Uh, and she uh, passed away a couple of years ago. Really? So yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I wonder if that preceded my mom dying because that would have made my mom really sad. Um, hope my mom died before Dixie Carter. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> it's it's that's a hell of a thing, Dixie Carter, and yeah, Joe McCraney. That that I like that couple a lot. Um, we so yeah we. We see Dan uh, Doherty get the advantage over the big heel. Um, Al Swearingen emerges also onto his balcony uh, outside of the, I guess, the his his suite above the brothel and bar in the gym saloon. Uh, and he's <laughs> he's looking on fucking flappable. My God, yeah. I mean, Swearingen's got a poker face. That's why he runs a fucking miniature casino in his in his brothel, like. It's not his deal, but he he could he could do it all if he wanted to, um, and he also I believe there's some um, allusions to the idea that Swearingen 
he might not have been an actor, but he obviously Brian Cox later in season three. Um, he is friends to actors. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if he was also a part of that troupe at some point, but it seems like perhaps he was. He has a theatricality about sure. him. Sure. Thing we love to say on this show, at least I do. Um, but it's, who doesn't on it, Deadwood, but especially elsewhere in it? Ian McShane yes. is incredible. He has to to have the command of over the town that he does. Yeah, and he doesn't uh, say I mean, a word in this. You know, him, him, and Joel McRaney uh, as George Hurst. They don't say a single word either of them, but they are just as much focal points of this fight as the two men actually locking horns. Yes. Um. So, um, what do you think? The most pro wrestling thing in this, I would say, is. Uh, Captain Turner get getting uh, Dan in sleep and effectively sleeper hold. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, at, Captain Turner does get the uh, the upper hand with some body shots and bites uh, Dan and either the cheek or the ear. Yeah. Uh, which I think leads the cheek doesn't matter. Really. Yeah, I think it was too because I think I think we would have seen some we would have seen some hanging ear meat. Um, but you know, who's to say I didn't direct this Daniel Minahan did, and I'm looking very forward to what he's got left in him. Um, but then captain, uh, maintains control after the bite and, uh, and grabs that rear naked choke, that big sleeper hold. And this is when you see Dan glimpse up towards his boss, up towards Al Swearingen. Um, and you see not never wavering in his trust and, uh, and, and faith in, in Dan, uh, Al Swearingen's face never changes at any point, up to this point at least. Um, and then, uh, in classic pro wrestling fashion, he backs Captain uh, Turner uh, back into the turnbuckle, or in this case, the butcher's stand, and into a bunch yes. of fucking raw meat. <laughs> yes, fucking rabbit carcasses are falling to the ground and yeah. shit. It's- Oh, it's a visual and a half. Yeah, and like that, um, the big hanging, like the shit that Rocky was... Uh, that's a cow, right? The shit that Rocky yeah. punches in the meat locker? Yeah. Is that what he call that, a meat locker? Yeah. Okay, where's the term meat locker come from? Well, I think we've been over this before, and I called it Have something we? hilarious, um, but I can't remember God. what it was. 14 episodes, we've done so much. Um, no, so he backs him into the meat uh, Dan reaches up and pulls himself up on a large hanging piece of meat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he gets thrown back to the ground and crawls towards the center of the thoroughfare, and the captain comes from behind and begins trying to drown him in a puddle of mud. Um, this is this is your your most convincing near fall of the match. Yes. Yes. Um, um. Yeah. Yeah. Captain uh, Turner looks backwards and up towards Hurst, who gives him the silent okay to kill Dan. Uh, and this is where you see Swearingen look towards the ground. And it's it's a moment where, when I was watching this the first time, I thought that I, Deadwood is a cynical show where nobody's happy ever. And I thought this was the death of this fucking character that we all loved. I was sure of it. Yeah. It ha- but you'll see as we get our cuts back, to me, Hurst has like a hesitancy he has a certain hesitancy. I'm like saying like a 5% hesitancy, okay. which is enough. He has like a certain, he looks, maybe it's just like comparing Gerald McRaney and Ian McShane and just like the way their faces are in a way that they can't really, but it, he looks like for all of this, I don't think he's necessarily prepared for this as much. I think it might be in a way to put over the fact that uh, Dan Doherty is sort of, he is more than 
the captain could take. Like, I mean, he put over, like, like when we go back to that, that fight in Star City, uh, like, the uh, Captain Turner, he takes, like... He, like, he asked he, him, what was his name? And Captain Turner remembers it was Leonard. <laughs> yeah, Ca- Captain Turner, like, takes, like, a little bit of umbrage, if you will, of, like, the idea that that was, a f- like, a good fight. Well, right. And then her says, well, it was a good fight in the sense that it was a spectacle. Set- let everybody yeah, know, the that it was not a, spe- a spectacle, for sure. Fuck yeah. Us. Yeah. And that's a hell of a moment. But you get the sense that this is this might be more than, but and then if you look at, and Swearingen, you look at Alan, he never fucking he doesn't he has full faith he yeah. has an insane it's no it's, I I think that moment when when Al looks down towards the ground as uh, as Dan is being drowned in the the shallow water, um, I think there's a, a real moment of okay well. I need somebody to wrangle the whores now because I don't. I, I've just lost one of my top guys. Um, but no, Dan is. Uh, he's able to uh, squeeze out. I don't know if this was due to the um, the the greasiness, putting the grease all over his body, uh, which it cannot be understated or overstated. Um, how excellent that pre-fight scene where he's rubbing that. Just disgusting grease all over. His Literally body. under 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 the gut, you can oh, it's yeah. perfect. And it's got some close up shots of it. It's this whole all of this is incredibly filmed, um, obviously. And I'm you know I, I we looked up the director of the movie tonight. I wasn't sure who it was going to be. Um, obviously, Walter Hill directed the pilot, uh, which is two episodes in a row with a Walter Hill uh, shout out. Yeah, um, but uh, knowing that the guy who shot this. Uh, is the guy who's who's directing this movie. I've I've got all the faith in the world. Um, but yeah, this is a hell of a fucking near fall. Um, Captain uh, Turner maintains control after Dan uses his greasiness to slip out. Um, and he crawls after Dan. They reach a ring of stones, which f- I think f- probably form a fire pit, but it's not lit. Yeah. Um, Dan looks up at him. He's on his back. And the captain just grabs him by the shoulders and begins slamming the back of his head into the rocks. Uh it- Incredible foley work, sickening sounds. Yes, it's very reminiscent of L.A. Park uh, Rush from uh, last year. Their big singles in St. Mel, the just like after, like in the uh, third fall when uh, L.A. Park is just banging mm. Rush's head into the gu- barrier. Like that's some pro yeah. wrestling, and, and it's like, like, but that's like pro wrestling you don't see too often because when do you get something that heated? But it's like that's very. But it's also, but when you do that, you have to maintain a lot of control here, and he's sure. giving up some control to do this. This is right. an act of aggression. This is a des- this is a man who is becoming more desperate. Yeah, he he couldn't kill him by drowning him in the in the, the shallow water. Um, so yeah, he's going to just slam the back of his head. And this is, I think, this is another you know like really great near fall. Um, and we're going to continue to speak this. Uh, I, I don't know. If, is it, I don't know if this is too fucking wink, wink. Because I do really think this is a great fight and one of the all time great, um, like action sequences, for lack of a better term, in all of probably filmed uh, fiction. I think it's really fantastic. Um, but I, this is a pro wrestling podcast, so we're going to talk about it like it's pro wrestling. Well, it, con- it contours the pro wrestling it, in a pretty really incredible does. way, but it's it really it's, does. Like, yeah, like I mean, what, what's like a great fight scene? Uh, Arnold throwing the pipe through uh, the guy from Mad Max. I don't know his yeah. name. Uh, Vernon Wells' chest. There you go. I can't, Hell yeah! Yeah, and Commando. Like, yeah, that's a great. But it's like, you know, that's not very. 
that, that's <laughs> you know, it's different. I, I will say there's a there's another Let two fights. Let off some steam, Bennett. I mean, yeah, you there you go. Great promo, but you know, there's two more fights in Deadwood that are fantastic, and one is um, uh, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Sheriff Bullock versus the. Uh, oh shit! That baby's crying. Um, t- talk about Sheriff Bullock fighting the Indian, and also Sheriff Bullock fighting elsewhere in general. I'll be back in fifteen to twenty seconds. Okay, so the thing about... Fuck, I haven't seen these on forever, and I just watched this five times, like, last... like Because it's so good. So the thing about Olfine is a more... He has a, uh, is a build. He was a swimmer um, at UCLA, I think. So he's sort of... And Seth, the Seth Bullock character is also the, the least theatrical, in a way, of anyone there. He's, like, the most just die-to-the-wall, just piece of shit, just... Like, God knows how the hell this man ended up sheriff, other than just who the hell else was going to take it beyond this dude who just looks like he's going to, I mean, who just grunts and acts like he's going to cave people's skulls in with a fucking rock if you, like, like you know, cross his way. That's, I mean, um, and then, you know, be like, it, like so it's like he doesn't have, like, the... Like, this is too pro-wrestling. I mean, this is a guy who was a fucking football player, and then stumpy-ass W. World Brown, who... Oh, yeah. This is much pro-wrestling compared to old fun. We didn't, like... We didn't say who W. World Brown is most well-known for playing, which is um, the mentally handicapped brother of Cameron Diaz in the films There's Something About Mary. <laughs> um, the uh, Franks and Beans. Have you seen my baseball? You know. Yeah. A classic nice. character that... It, People, you know, nowadays they sleep on how how funny that is. <laughs> no, it's horribly offensive. Um, but it's, I think, you know, he's a good actor. That's what count. Uh, yeah, the that's what brothers, I was gonna say. The, um, I don't think oh, that mean, all of the you movies mean the come Ferrelli, together. The Ferrelli brothers. <laughs> a callback Ferrelli. to a thing we cut out of the show because I was embarrassed. Yes, um, they um, their movies aren't necessarily perfectly written by any stretch of the imagination, but they're fucking pretty well cast, I yeah. would say. Yeah, Matt um, Dillon's anyway. amazing in that film. Um, yeah, so this is definitely, it's two big fucking boys. Uh, this is a Mid-South brawl, for sure. Uh, George Hurst even has a bit of a, a, a cowboy, uh, fuck what, cowboy Bill Watts sort of vibe to him. Um, I yeah. can't think of Bill Watts' name for half a second there. I've been awake for almost 24 hours, and I'm drinking. Uh, and now my son is sitting here. Hello. Say hi. He's, he's never going to say anything on the podcast. He's, he is a consummate no-seller. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, he'd, he'd work really well in like a, uh, an Evolve main event. Let me bring it back around. Um, versus Chainsaw Joe Gacy, right, buddy? You going to fight, you know, fight Chainsaw? Um, so Dan then uh, does make his big comeback, right? This is He's had the hope spots throughout. Um, you, you build up to the big moment. You counter the biggest move. Um, with, uh, you know, and Captain Turner goes to the well one too many times. He just keeps shoving the back of Dan Doherty's head into that rock. Um, but Dan refuses to die. He leaves the arms open. Uh, Dan puts that thumb in the captain's eye, and right there, it's that just pops that fucking eye right out of the socket. She's <laughs> optic nerve dangling. Yes. It's- and let me say oh. this. This is really funny, because I didn't know watching this. Um... Yeah, optic nerve, right? I didn't know uh, that that uh, Alan Graff, the, the person who plays 
um, who plays Captain Turner, was the was a, a stunt coordinator on the film Any Given Sunday, a film where that same fucking thing happens. Man, he fucking he it's loves a good it. Spot, it's a good ass <laughs> spot. I mean, hey, I, That's right. I support that. No, you, you take know? your spots to different territories. They haven't seen it. I, yeah. how, how many people watching this would have any idea that he did that on any given Sunday? Yeah. You, uh, you know, that's, you know, the great wrestlers always say you work to, you, you work, you know what gets over and you keep doing what gets over mm-hmm. until it's not over anymore. It's just still over. Alan Graff gets the business. Um, he screams cause his eye is dangling from what, what did you say? The optical nerve? The optic fucking nerve, the yeah, like out of, out of the socket. It's fully, yeah. I mean, it's attached, but yeah. it's not, he's dying, he's, yeah. but it's it's not time yet. No, we have, uh, that's that's not, I wouldn't call it a near fall because Dan doesn't go for the finish there. Um, this is more of your King's Road style where uh, he's going to hit two power bombs and put him down instead of going for the pin after the first one because he knows it's going to take two. Picks up a big fucking piece of uh, firewood, like a, a log, right? Is that what you call yeah. that? <laughs> Fucking Jesus Christ, yeah. A log. Yeah. It's gigantic. Um, yeah. It's a, like a six foot, uh, probably has like a, a circumference, or let's just, I, I, I can't uh, calculate circumference. I will say a diameter of like probably 10 inches. It's a fucking tree trunk, basically. Um, and yeah, right across the back of the head. <laughs> and yeah, and he looks. Looks to Swearingen and Swearingen says, "Fucking do it, do it." Yeah. And well, he you doesn't get your say though. He doesn't. He doesn't. Say. He doesn't say. He never says a thing. But you can see it's like, yes, that silent like, look of approval. Yes. Yeah. He uh, looks towards uh, Hurst too, and Hurst is uh, Hurst also never never wavering in his faith, but he knows, you know, or never showing that he wavers in his yeah. faith, but he knows. He knows it's done, and he's all, now he has to hire somebody. Um, and that's a that's six foot eight tall fucking uh, mountain of a former offensive guard from USC. Um, that's not going to be an easy man to replace. Yeah. Um, and two more strikes to the back of the head, and uh, and that's your that's your fight. It's one two three. The, well, the ref counts to you could count to a hundred as uh, someone would say. Who used to say that? You count to a uh, hundred. A lot of people. Okay, um, it's a good line. It's a good commentary line. It is a good line, yeah. I thought about maybe me and you would do some commentary on this. We just like record our stuff. We put it on put it on uh, YouTube and and see if we see how we do. See if we can pick up some fans that way. Um, but we're not going to do that. Um, yeah, that's a that's a hell of a fight. I think that is probably. I think there's other fights that I really love in in movies that aren't like obviously martial arts spectacles or one thing. But you know this gritty shit. I really like. Uh, have you seen Eastern Promises? Uh, I have Eastern Promises. I'm like sort of halfway on Cronenberg. I think the Cronenberg. Yeah, sure. Thing, S- but then same. I'll do stuff that I'll just. I just think he does stuff where it'll be like it'll just be like stupid and like like ha- like even when he's trying to take a movie seriously by oh. his standards, it doesn't come off serious. But I think that's maybe the Cronenberg thing. And Cronenberg at then, his it, most stupid is the best Cronenberg. Existence and Scanners. That's my two favorites. Well, but I'm thinking about like like there's a scene where a dude like there's this drunk dude like pissing on a grave and he just gets like stabbed like immediately like they just and it's like one of the dumbest most gratuitous things I've ever seen. Yeah. And I guess like oh that kicks but it's like it's it's it didn't add anything. To the movie. He, he knows the movie he's making. Unfortunately, a lot of people that watched those movies didn't. Um, yeah, History of Violence, if you can watch A History of Violence and not like understand that that is a graphic novel adaptation and an unashamed one, 
Uh, yeah. After you watch like the last thirty minutes, where he just shoots all the people in the head, and their fucking brains are leaking out. Like you, and they show it. They show brains on the table and shit. Um, the worst part of uh, History of Violence is, is William Hurt. That's terrible cast. I like I like him in that movie. I think he's dumb as hell. Uh, I think well, he's dumb as hell, and he's such a good worm. But it's like I don't know. He doesn't come off like really bad fucking... accent. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. Nobody, yeah, nobody had nobody is even pulling off, even trying to pull off a Philly accent. There should have got M Night uh, in there. He as made the gangster. No, no, M, M not like Cronenberg uh, contracting M Night to get no he uh, his accent worked off. Cast M Night Shyamalan as a gangster. M he demands. You know, he got Tony Collette to do it. You know, he demands it. I've never seen that movie. I've never seen Sixth Sense. I have no idea. Um, I didn't even know it was even set there. Um, But yeah, um, you know, I enjoyed talking about this. I think it'll be cool um, if we we revisit these things every now and then. If we so the reason we did this is because we're going to do this tournament of survival. Um, preview, and I don't know, we might go 30 minutes, 45 minutes on it, who knows. Um, but I thought we'd pad it out a little bit. And we've been wanting to do this, and this, the timing was right here. Um, when else are you gonna do a... Deadwood ends tonight. Yeah. It's over. This is, this is actually it. We shouldn't even be getting what we're gonna get tonight. But, we're getting it, and then it's done. And, um, I'm very excited. I, yeah, I couldn't be more excited. Um, and then this is obviously this is like a, a crowning achievement of the show. Uh, every episode is beautiful and near perfection. Uh, but there's a reason people will always point to this episode and this fight in particular. It's because it's visceral, it's scary, it's exciting, and it pays things off well. Um, even though it's this is this is this is a mid card match. The the real fight is horse her, horse <laughs> horse versus uh, swear engine. A fight that never actually happens, of course, because this is not a show that is about that sort of thing. You're not going to get your big payoffs, but the smaller ones that you do get, like this, um, it it's amazing the the amount of storytelling they put into this five minutes of just two dudes punching each other and looking at two other guys that are watching them. There's no dialogue here. Uh, this is visual storytelling. Uh, what, what's, is it uh, show, not tell? That's exactly what this is. It's a great example of that. I, I yeah. It's beautiful. It's fucking art. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to hit on for, for this before we... No, it was fucking good. It was, it was, it was, it was yeah, it's great. And, I mean, there are things, I think there are things to expand upon about, like, the idea of pro wrestling and stunt uh men coordination sort of like sure things over that sort of like how could you like like we see all these dipshits who don't know anything but it's like well it's like all like how do you have all these fights that look great and then but they aren't really but it's like how would they understand pro wrestling what is this avenue for like all of that but that's like a larger question this is just this fucking kicks ass really yeah yeah this, this is sort we, of, we had that's to do a this lead into bigger conversations perhaps. that's right that's right um and we will we will we will return on some of those things um, when the time is right. There there we might we might uh, review some world star hip hop fights or whatever. Um, who who fucking knows? Um, but yeah, this is this is it for me. This is like one of my favorite things that's ever happened in a TV show. Um, Dan wins the fight, and his walk back through the thoroughfare uh, to the gym saloon is not a glorious victory. Uh, nobody's singing songs in the street. Uh, nobody's chanting, uh, that was awesome 
or Dan, Dan, Dan fucking Doherty. Um, because if they did, we wouldn't be talking about this. But no, his, his walk back to, uh, to take a bath and put some ice on his head is not a walk of triumph. Uh, it, his look is not one of, uh, one of great conquest. Uh, yeah. It, yes. This is about surviving. It's about survival. Um, and it's about, Outliving and outlasting, which is also the television series Survivor. <laughs> it's uh, very Magnum Tully. Let's that's put it right. That way. Yeah, yeah. It's that's a- you know Magnum. He just walks from the cage. He draw, and it's just yeah. It's like I had to do that, and I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I'm I go back. Yeah. You, like leave uh, baby doll and tell and bleed ass Tully yeah. in the ring and just just go fucking just go home. I survived. You didn't. I told you. Um, yeah. So we'll have more on survival. Uh, the tournament of survival. I re- I pre-wrote this, but I thought it's, oh. it, it. You know. <laughs> yeah. We'll have more in survival. The tournament, the game changer wrestling tournament of survival. When we return. How's that? Okay. Is that good? That's great. That's oh, great. I fucking nailed it. I did. Um, I did see that um, G Raver's MySpace page. Um, it said Brandon. It was MySpace.com/slash/Brandon Graver, or maybe yes. maybe Brandon G Raver. But is it possible that his last name is Graver? His name, as far as I'm aware, his last name actually is Graver. Brandon Graver. Hell yeah! Welcome back to Wrestling Is Gross. Thank you for uh, your patience. I know that that. That break there uh, is going to be about the same length as the usual break, but for us it took uh, a bit longer. Um, forces uh, outside of our control. Um, so we're back here. Uh, we we did 50 minutes on uh, a five minute fight from Deadwood, <laughs> um, and now let's go ahead and just wrap it up quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. No, uh, we wanted to do this because it seemed like fun, uh, but Deadwood without a doubt, is going to be more fun than this. So you can turn it off now. No, um, We're going to talk about the Tournament of Survival for uh, the, the field of eight competitors, um, the first round matches, and do some uh, some predictions here. Um, now, you've seen all four, all three previous uh, Tournaments of Survival, I, I take it? Yes. I don't remember if I've seen the first one. I, I'm sure I have, but two and three are obviously, two especially, burned in my brain. Yeah. Um Two, of course, you have... Uh, the, it's like the return of Nick Gage as he got back out of prison. Um, I believe his first matches in in Game Changer were were on that show. Um, and he, as we'll talk about briefly, he, he destroyed Jimmy Lloyd in the first round, uh, had an awesome match with Takeda in the, in the semi, and then uh, lost to Matt Tremont in the final in the first of their trilogy, the first match of their like three incredible matches, 
and maybe the best one of those matches actually I really love that first Tremont versus Gage match um, so yeah I, I love those tournaments uh, 2018 also fantastic stuff um, but yeah we've got eight guys and uh, this is of course happening tomorrow night on fight.tv uh, use offer code uh, WIGROSS for uh, $10 no it's I, that would be cool wouldn't it um, yeah, <laughs> we'll work. Ke- getting shouted out by uh, someone other than Kevin Gill. No, it has to be Kevin Gill. He, Kevin Gill's voice featured in episode two of our podcast, yeah, uh, so the Messiah God. from the Backyard Wrestling video game from XPW. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is from the Showboat, uh, obviously uh, Atlantic City, and is uh, June first. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they're doing a motherfucking pig roast. Uh, like they did last year, or if they're going to have the ultraviolet treats. Um, I think that was more of a thing that they were going to do at that one venue. And then last year, of course, they had to move venues uh, because DJ Hyde called the cops. Um, DJ Hyde, who apparently is going to fr- appear on our, our friend's podcast. We'll see. Um, that sounds hilarious. But <laughs> uh, hopefully he doesn't call the cops on Eva for uh, smoking a lot of weed. Um and doing other drugs. Uh, sorry for doxing your drug use, Eva. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, so, DJ Hyde, uh, of course, is, uh, is not in this. Yeah, in this God, show. God, God, thank But thank his, God. his presence is here, uh, because, uh, first of the four matches we're gonna cover, G. Raver versus Nick Gage. Uh, G. Raver, Brandon Graver, of course, as everybody knows, is his real name, Brandon Graver, uh, versus Nick Wilson. Yes. <laughs> Nicholas Wilson, uh, from National Park, New Jersey. Uh, G. Raver was trained, of course, by DJ Hyde and Mike Quackenbush. Um, and you, you st- will always put forward your theory that G. Raver, uh, was once, uh, one of the ants in, in the colony in Chikara. Yes. I, Maybe one fucking match, but I'm sure he like just because he, he was, was like he had missile to assault ant or whatever. Yeah, he had to have been someone. I I swear, there's so many ants who were just who I don't know that Quack had killed. Um, yeah, for, for not letting him fuck their little sisters. Yeah, as as the thing as we're going to just say now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Tattoo course, ant. No, I don't know. That's not great. Uh, yeah, uh, fr- uh, friend of Nazis ant. Um, yeah, G. Raver debuted in 2007. Uh, according to Cage Match, his first ever match, uh, which I'm not going to guess that Cage Match has any of this correct, but the first match listed uh, for G. Raver is the Chris Cash Memorial Battle Royal from 2007 uh, that also featured uh, Cheech and uh, Colin Delaney, uh, Colin Olsen at the time. Um, yeah. Wax is in there, the Hellaware Assassin, John Dahmer, who, I, of course, was also a trainer, uh, at the CZW Dojo, and uh, and Greg Excellent, and then, of course, was won, uh, as everybody remembers, by by Chris Cash's teammate GQ. Um, was uh, Jimmy Dream in it? Uh, Jimmy Dream, I believe, was on the list of participants. I did, I did not copy everybody down. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, stay away, buddy. <laughs> yeah. He had his moment in the sun, and now he has to have his moment in... On the sex offender registry. Okay, I don't know about him. I, I, I Ellsworth. Oh, that's James Ellsworth. Yes. Okay, cool. That offspring tattoo having motherfucker. I yeah. did not know that. That's cool. 
I guess. <laughs> it's interesting, guess. Yeah. Uh, this is G. Raver's yeah. uh, first entry into the Tournament of Survival. I know it's hard to believe. He wrestled uh, uh, Asami Kodaka at the Nick Gage Invitational last year, the show that I was at. Um, but this, and I believe he was in the, the second Nick Age Invitational as well. Um, yes. And he's been in Tournament of Death. I believe he won the Vicious Outcast Wrestling Lords of Anarchy Tournament, I think last year. Um, and, you know, he's been all over the place, but this is his, uh, his first Tournament of Survival entry, so it's a big one for him. Um, um, yeah, so I, how do you feel about Nick Gage here? Because Nick Gage, of course, is a champion, and he hasn't lost a... The, the last two matches he lost were against Ciclope uh, in last year's semifinal. Um, this is, of course, Nick Gage's third entry into the Tournament of Survival. Um, and he also lost to... He, he got pinned by Takeda in the final four-way of the Nick Gage Invitational last year. Uh, but he... So he's lost one singles match in the last like two years in this company. Yeah, the last um yeah yeah I mean to Tremont. I actually think he Tremont won the NGI match and he won the tournament survival match. Yes, but I don't, that's correct. Yes. Um so yes, like that's literally No, the, that's it's not correct. It. He is not no. Nick Gage did not win the tournament survival. Um Nick Gage won their match in September. So that would have been the NGI. Okay. Yes, yes. Why don't I have that that way around? I don't know. It doesn't make sense that I forgot that, but I did. It's it's been it's been a long year and a half since I watched uh, uh, that since like like watched all three of those in a row, and then mm-hmm. I've just been like, yeah, yeah, but I actually watched them. Just I don't know why they kick ass, but I feel like you got to watch all three of them in a row now. You don't have uh, to watch all. That's a lot of wrestling. <laughs> that's a lot of yes, yeah, a lot of you don't a lot do of bulldozer. Um. Okay, so here's the thing. I feel like Nick Gage is going to go over here, but I don't. I don't. I, I don't think he ends up winning the tournament. So, but no. I feel like I don't think G Raver. I think G Raver over Gage would probably. I might book that. I mean, I think I might be the right call to be honest, but I don't know. And I, I the thing of it is, is more like with Gage. It's like the title doesn't really mean that much in GCW. But at the same time, it's like it'll mean a shitload when someone actually beats him for it, which sure. is so weird. Right. Like, you can just have any match, you can have a match of anyone for it, and it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't matter really, but it's, at the same time, it's weird that it means something, and also doesn't mean anything at all. It's a very lucha title, in, the, in that sense, where if, if it's like, I would, it's I would like disagree. A- I think that's how we interpret it, but I think a lot of these fucking nut jobs who go to these shows are, are really invested in this title run, to be honest. And you did have it yeah. right. You, uh, he, he won the Tournament of Survival in 2017. He, he lost the Nick Gage Invitational. Sorry yeah. about that. That's a, okay. Well, so, uh, but it's also been it's also weird for him to go free straight death match. But I don't think he's winning. I think he might win the NGI, no. but only if he has the t- if he he's never won have, his own tournament. Yeah, he'll win the NGI, but he'll drop the title first to yeah. God knows who. Um, Ciclope will will fucking cash in oh, after buddy. he and he gets his fucking visa. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a shame what happened to those guys. Um, Nick Gage, of course, debuted in 1998. It says, uh, was trained by John Zandig, of course. Um, his earliest uh, match one of the on- first four graduates of the CCW Dojo. That's right. Has- his, his earliest match on record, according to Cage Match, is the main event of the first CCW show, where he lost a Four Corners of Pain elimination match against Derek Domino, TCK, and Justice Payne. He was eliminated last by his brother. And yeah, this is his third entry into the tournament. He is the only former winner. 
uh, in the tournament. So it's a pretty big deal, of course. Um, of course, was defeated by Cyclope in last year's semifinal and won the, the second tournament of survival back in 2017, uh, defeating Jimmy Lloyd, Masashi Takeda, and Bulldozer Matt Tremont. So it's quite the resume. Uh, he has been the Game Changer Wrestling Champion for 18 months. So Damn. Really long time. Uh, yeah. It's like a Trevor Lee-style title reign, except hopefully he actually does drop the belt. Um, so yeah, you think Gage is going over here? I think Gage is going over, yeah. Yeah. This is weird. This is like a regular podcast. This is like a regular wrestling podcast. I know. Um, it's. I, I feel almost dirty doing this. Yeah, um, we need some weird references. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll fit some in. We'll fit some in. Uh, we we did talk for an hour about Deadwood, a show that ended 13 years ago. <laughs> so I think I think we're probably in the clear. I think we filled our quota. Um, next up, we have Asami Kodaka versus Oren Vite. Um, we'll start with Oren. Uh, how do you feel about Oren Vite? First of all, his name. His name is ridiculous. <laughs> is um. Is it does it have is it a reference to anything like? I think it just sounds like death metal-y. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, okay. he's, I mean, obviously he's from like Wisconsin, but is billed from being Salem. <laughs> Sorry, my son is Salem. making fart sounds on my thumb. Hell yeah. He's billed from being from Salem, Massachusetts. So, you know, obviously it's, it's all like, you know, like witchcraft kind of bullshit like that. I, yeah, but I didn't still- realize he was like, he was doing like witchcraft gimmick. I, I saw that in like his nicknames and saw he was uh, billed from Salem. And I was like, is that, because he just seems like a, he seems like a, like you said he's from Wisconsin? I think he's from Wisconsin, yeah. He seems like um, a Midwest death death metal guy. Like, he seems like people I know. Um, yeah, he seems, he exactly is the like most, yeah, like, he seems exactly, like, he is the most Danny Havoc's son guy in the world. Yeah, for sure. He is like, exactly he is like, Yeah, and he's, he's very, I mean, he's sort of, I think he's only started Debuted in 2016 or 2015. I have him as uh, debuted in 2015, uh, yeah. which makes him the least experienced person in the tournament. I do not have a trainer listed, so who knows? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, who runs ICW? It was or it was a dysfunction or cocaine disarranged. Okay, it, it, it's dysfunction. Um, I, I, I yeah, it's like dysfunction. Then trained him. I don't. That would know, make sense. Right? That would make sense. Yeah, that's that's the who he uh, FIB gives off. Uh, Asami Kodaka has been wrestling for fucking forever. Since 2002, I've got his earliest matches on Cage Match are in K-Dojo, actually. And his trainer is listed as Takao Omori? Yeah. uh, Okay. Omori, yeah. And they were, that's one of, like, Omori brings him in as, like, the Axe Bombers with uh, Daichi Kazato every so often, and it's weird. That's why he... That's why he challenged with him for the All Asians with uh, against. Right, uh, I remember that. Very that was just last and year, right? Murder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's had a lot of other stuff, and like uh, Akiyama will have his like Exploders team, but seems completely arbitrary, and it'll be like Mariyama and Masashi Takeda, which like he did not train out for those guys. He just needs he just he just needs guys. If it was sure. the people he trained, it would be all of the juniors. <laughs> well, Mariyama be- is definitely an, uh, an Akiyama guy at this point. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, in so many ways. Um, yeah, so I was surprised to see uh, Omori trained Kudaka. I, I had no idea, but it makes sense because we have seen them work together a lot. Um, yeah, earliest matches listed are uh, K-Dojo in 02. I wouldn't be surprised if he had worked micro-indies before that. Yeah. Um, he was a finalist in last year's Nick Gage Invitational. He, I believe, has worked 
no, he hasn't worked harder than death. Uh, I believe this is his second second trip to the states. Um, first first entry into the tournament of survival. Yeah, I think he has some. He, I think I'm certain he has a um, Lords of Pain. I, I don't think, think so. Name. I think he's been. He's been East Coast. Before. Yeah, I'm certain he's been here before, but he's. I'm not. I don't. I can't remember exactly when and where. Uh, Yuko Miyamoto, of course, is the far more of the sure. two of, the, of that tag team. Um, yeah. Kenju? Is that right? Yeah, I, I just call him Y2K. Y2K, yeah. Um, I, um, I'm looking here to see if... Um, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be comprehensive on, on Cage Match. Masters um, of Pain. I called it Lords of Pain because I confuse it with Lords of Anarchy. Um, sure, I do that all the time. Um, I don't see any... Yeah, I don't see any sort of IWA East Coast on here. Um, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Um, he was in Gato Move for wrestling. <laughs> uh, who could forget? Um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, Oren takes this. I think Oren Vite is, is your guy here. They are pushing him, uh, pretty hard. Uh, even if he's not winning matches, they're, they're making sure that he's looking good every time he's out there. Um, and he has looked really good. I don't know if you've watched any of the stuff from this year. Yeah, yeah he has. Um, I think I think I think a Kodaka goes over here, but that's because it's sort of a weird thing. Because okay, so it's all based on the other two. Uh, yeah, Sakuda, guys, and yeah, yeah, we'll get to him. And I, yeah, and I think I think this is his Alex Cologne uh, Masashi Takeda match. This is his. He is fucking official. You fucking better get on train now or sure. what, a sort of thing. Like, like, uh, Cologne Takeda at NGI last year, of course. But I wouldn't be surprised if he went over it, but it's, I don't know, at the same time, it's it feels like the most obvious of the three Japanese guys to go over. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And yeah, I think, I think Kodaka versus, uh, versus Alex Cologne in the semifinal makes a, a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah, I could, I could, uh, this is one of the most unpredictable ones for me, uh, which brings us to our next one. Uh, if you're good, you good? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, Toshiyuki, Toshiyuki Sukuda, uh, versus Alex Cologne. Uh, this is both guys' first entry into the tournament, obviously. Um, let's talk about Sukuda first. He was trained in the BJW, uh, BJW Dojo, the Big Japan Dojo, uh, meaning he was f- probably trained by some combo of Daisuke Sekimoto and, uh, and Yuji Okabayashi and probably Ryuji Ito, I guess. And Kazuki Hashimoto, yeah. Okay, Kazuki Hashimoto. Probably, like, I'm sure uh, Ryuichi Kawakami probably beat the shit out of him at yeah. school. And, like, Konkuro Hoshino was around and, like, made him walk on thumbtacks, probably. Yeah, the guy super... And then, yeah, like, the, the once he was like, okay, I want to be full deathmatch guy, and then they broke him in. Yeah, that's when they brought a- a- Abby uh, Abdullah Jr. in to, like, make him just see how, how deep you could cut with a broken light tube into his chest before he, like, asked to go to the bathroom. Um, it's weird. I don't think that's how that would work, but um, these are the words that came out of my mouth. Um, uh, yeah, he, he debuted in 2014, but it looks like he began working death matches in the summer of 2016. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's a lot of fun. He's a little, little, he's tiny. He's so like small. He's like five he's, foot. Yeah. It's he funny. Is, it's, it's so funny, but he kicks ass. He's a lot of, I mean, he's good, super sympathetic baby face. Yeah. Um, third what? bloody brother, uh, second yes. bloody brother to make it. Uh, 
after, one third uh, of talk- the what are they what's what are they called the third generation Chimidori brothers or something? Ch- third generation Chimidoro brothers. Yeah, I cannot fucking figure out who the they actually are generations like Masashi Mategi was yeah, in I've the nineties, but I can't I fucking no figure idea. it out either. I've, but I know that yeah. with that. Yeah, it's uh, him, Takiyuki Yueki, and, and Masaya Takahashi, Takahashi, who's the only one who has not come he, uh, to the states yet. Which I is shocking. Think. Yeah, when he he's and the I best think one. yeah he's. He's the mo- yeah the best one, the most experienced one, the one who has. What if he the- beats Gage for the GCW title when they go to Shinkiba? That'd be mm. fucking raw. Man. <laughs> yeah. yes. But he, um, but Sakuda kicks ass. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he he's really gonna lose give this sh- match. He's gonna lose, but he's gonna he's going to give a a you know a star making performance for the US. I think sure. I think Cologne is perfect guy to put him with because Cologne is. The most traditional junior, uh, even though he's been doing death matches now for fucking forever. It's insane. I have I have yeah. Cologne as having started around 2015. It's the first one I can find, which is a match with Danny Havoc, of course. Those are yeah. like brothers, basically, right? Um, yeah. Cologne, Alex Cologne uh, was trained by DJ Hyde and John Dahmer. Debuted in 2007 from the DJ uh, from the from the DJ Hyde Dojo, of course, <laughs> the CCW Dojo. dojo. Deej, baby. <laughs> yeah, Dojo Deej. <laughs> Um, he, he, yeah, began in 2015 from the looks of it. Um, and this is, uh, turns out this is his second entry into the tournament. I was wrong. Uh, he was eliminated, um, by Cyclope in last year's, uh, first round, which I don't remember, but I'm going to assume remember, that's I, the I, third I, best match of the night. Yeah, that was a good ass match. Um, the best match of the night last year was, uh, Eric Ryan versus Miedo Extremo. Hell yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Man, that was, that was that was um, hell of a show. Hell of a show. Yeah, I think Cologne Cologne's going to go over here, and he yeah, should. Uh, but Sakuda's going to he's going to he's going to do some wild shit. Uh, he's going to do a, he's going to do a swanton to the outside, and he, that he may or may not end up just eating glass on. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, he's got to impress. Um, when you're that little, they're going to laugh at him, you know? You've seen the <laughs> clips of uh, The Amazing Red coming out at, like for his first match at like a, a Fat Frank show, or like, you know, it was uh, Frank Goodman, uh, USA Pro, yeah. and like people are laughing at him, uh, and then he goes and does like all this crazy shit, it's like 2001 pre-CZW like CZW Red, and he does all this crazy shit, um, and you know, turns the crowd around. It's going to have to be something like that. It's like, we're just going to have to die out there, and it's going to be great. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, he's still, I mean, he, you know, I mean, this is, this is a crowd that, uh, doesn't love its short men, uh, except Schlack, who, but. <laughs> yeah, it's well. deceptively short, of course. Uh, Schlack is a hell of a, hell of a, hell of a figure. Um, I remember walking past Schlack, uh, while he ate, uh, like a Little Caesars hot and ready at the, at the Nick Gage Invitational and like looking and like, I was there with Mike Stocks, uh, David Fix, of course. Um, and he said Schlack's over there and I remember turning around and not being able to find him. Um, I'm not saying it's because he was short, but it's possible that <laughs> he was hard to pick out of a crowd, and that's a man you can pick out of a fucking crowd. Uh, he's just not big enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know who is big enough? Damus. <laughs> Damus is uh, yeah, they're the same height but very different energies. Uh, all right, and our fourth match. Yeah, it's a very different match, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't Jimmy get much Lloyd more different than the this. Great Sasuke, baby. Yeah, the Great Sasuke uh, returning uh, for the third time, actually, to Game Changer Wrestling, um, which is interesting. He's, he came in last year twice. He fought 
uh, uh, Joe Janela at Joe Janela's Spring Break in New Orleans last year in a, a really weird comedy match that I most remember for uh, Sasuke uh, singing karaoke to It's My Life by Bon Jovi after the match was over. Um, which is an amazing thing that happened, that actually happened, that I did not make up, even though it sounds like I made it up. Um, and he's taking on uh, uh, Jimmy Lloyd, who, uh, this is, of course, this is Sasuke's first appearance in <laughs> the Tournament of Survival, obviously. Um, first politician, I think, to appear. Um, in, in, yeah, uh, in, in the Tournament of Survival. And uh, facing Jimmy Lloyd, who, this is his second uh, of course, after being squashed entirely by the returning Nick Gage at Tournament of Survival 2 in 2017, in the first round, one of the probably most brutal deathmatch squashes of all time. Um, I don't know if people really remember that, but Jimmy Lloyd, I think, gets maybe one strike in and then just takes weapons um, for about yeah. 10 minutes and just gets brutalized. He gets brutalized. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm if I'm correct, as uh, that is also the year that he won Tournament of Death, which that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I guess he did. He did win uh, Tournament of Death. But see, that's a, that's a pretty meteoric rise. If you look at uh, Jimmy Lloyd's 2017 to Jimmy Lloyd's 2018, that's a guy who really went places. Um, yeah, he is drastically improved. Um, I mean, that's what should happen. I mean, he's, like he, but he's not plateaued, despite the fact that if you look at him. He looks like okay, buddy. He, he has one of those no business being here, but he's he's he is dece- he's genuinely deceptive. Yeah, um, yeah, he's something he's, else. He, I'll tell you what, Jimmy Lloyd had some really great non-death matches last year. Um, I, I've said it other places. His match with Rich Swan is a fucking miracle match. Um, check out check out some Jimmy Lloyd versus Rich Swan. <laughs> Just trust me, it's really good. Um, he also had, I thought. The best, the second best PCO match of last year, maybe third best PCO match. Um, yeah, Jimmy Lloyd kicks fucking ass. He's gonna win this, right? I think he goes over, yeah, and because just because it's we, I can't. I can see Sasuke doing one death match, and he's done yeah. death matches before. He's done big dramatic ones, he sure, has a big famous one for Anita, but he's also done like New Year's Eve shit, like a six man where he's taken tubes. He's not like the he's not a death match war. guy. Yeah, and of course, those are absurd matches where he's taking sure. power bombs into fucking steel Not beams. Not problematic at all, either. Yeah, of course. Uh, and it's just, like, he's a maniac, and he has no regard for his well-being. He's cracked his skull 75,000 times, famously, but, you know... Yeah. Yes, uh, a lot of, lot of he, concussions, a lot of skull fractures. Fractures. Well, you bring him in to have, like, one really insane, incredible, like, like, what the hell is this match? I would not book him to do two matches. No, definitely not. This is, this is almost a... And it, I believe at 49 years old, he is almost certainly the oldest person... Excuse me, the oldest person to ever compete in this tournament. Maybe Zandig was older when he was in it. I, yeah, I, Zandig's age, of course, is a mystery. Uh, yeah, I've, I looked it up. I can't find it. I, I think he was born in 64. Okay, let's see. But you'll see something that says, like, 70 or 71, and it's like... No fucking way. That doesn't even make sense. How the fuck how the fuck did he become a demolition expert, an explosive expert, and then start Sewell, wrestling New Jersey, at- April fourth, nineteen seventy one. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he was a demolitions expert at twenty four years of old, twenty four years of age, and then he became a uh, a pro wrestler and then he teamed yeah. with Eric Watts that one time. Yeah, that's natural makes talent. Sense. Yeah, it also says yes. one of uh Zandig's uh, ring names on here. It's a sex machine, is that 
heard about this? <laughs> Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I'm not seeing this. Oh, god damn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he, That's a machine that breaks down a fucking lot. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, all right, so yeah, Jimmy Lloyd, the youngest competitor in the tournament. Um, I can't find his birthday or birth year, but we know that he turned 21 in February. Um, uh, uh, we know that his birthday is maybe February 16th, unless it's a gimmick. Um, so... He is the youngest person in this match, or invite. Uh, we had listed at 24 years old. Uh, so some real, you know, a nice spread here of, of different ages. Um, and he debuted in 2014 or 2015, something like that. He would have been uh, trained by some some combination of DJ Hyde and Drew Gulak, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, in the CCW Dojo, uh, the DJ Dojo. Um and worked his first death match either in the main event of the 100th CCW D- uh, D- DJ Dojo Wars show um, versus Schlack. Uh, the first time any of us ever saw either of these guys, pretty much. Uh, or maybe it was two months earlier versus Nate Hatred for GCW, but that was before anybody cared about GCW. Um, well, not before, before, but pretty close. Like, those towards the beginning. Um, yeah, um, tw- yeah, the first time, like, the first time I remember thinking about, like, having, because uh, GCW, like, hit, like, rose, sort of, with 2017, but it's, I remember, like, 2016, when they had the Trent Acid Cup in, mm-hmm. in, at uh, the arena, and I was like, oh, oh, they're, they're thing, yeah. Yeah, they're, they were still was, like, evolving from Jersey, Jersey Championship Wrestling, or whatever you call it. Yeah, and the stuff that had happened, like, before is, like, it's not, like, pre-facto but it's like like the first ngi uh, before nick had to fucking go back i mean fucking go back and was in the half my house again yeah yeah like that's fucking that doesn't feel like it actually happened in a way yeah for sure joker versus scott summers that's yeah scott summers exactly like yeah that's it's a weird that's a weird period uh that we it's hard to imagine that this is that what we have now came from that um but yeah, this is uh, Jimmy's second entry into the tournament. Of course, Great Sasuke's first. Great Sasuke was trained uh, by Gran Hamada and Kotetsu Yamamoto. I don't know Kotetsu Yamamoto, but it looks like he was a junior heavyweight in New Japan in the seventies. He um, was the he was the guy who fucking ran who is responsible for like everybody who came out of New Japan. It looked uh, like it. It looked like uh, it. yeah. Um, earliest match on cage match for Sasuke is a nineteen ninety tag. Um, from an all Japan women's show, <laughs> uh, where he worked as Masa uh, which is, you know, he worked under that name the first few years of his career. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. that's Northeast Masa, and then of course, named this company that, and then Taka took it to say, fuck you, I'm the real most Northeastern guy. <laughs> which, yeah. which, when you think about it, is an extremely GCW storyline. Sure, sure. Uh, I think nobody really knows what you're talking about, but I do, so it's okay. Um, uh, yeah, so we got quite the field here. We've also going to have special appearances from Kenta. Um, what's he going to do? What do you think Kenta's going to do? What's your prediction there? Uh, he's going to sign autographs, and he's going to look hurt, and he's going to look like he got his bag, and he's going to go take care of his kids now. He's gonna give off. A, he's gonna give off a real Tom Jane and Arrested Development vibe. <laughs> I just want to see my wife and kids. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. I don't. Know, I didn't think anybody else cared about Thomas Jane and Arrested Development. Uh, it's one of my favorite bits. Uh, yes. I think, I think Kenta. You don't think he will like high kick somebody or? It'd be fucking cool if he did, but I mean, I don't know. Hmm. 
I mean, it's got to be someone who can't overstage, can't upstage him. Because if like, what if they bring in Moxley and it's like, you know, nobody's gonna give a shit about Kenta, man. Well, they can't bring in Moxley. Exclusive contract, except he can work that uh, that that weird company that runs baseball fields in Massachusetts. Yeah, he, um, I know, but it's so it's so weird that it's like, like I don't know, he's gonna he's gonna kick, uh, I don't know, someone in the head, yeah, probably, but I don't know exactly what else. Marco like, Stunt. Uh, God, Marco is so little. Holy shit. Yeah, I, Marco <laughs> should be in this tournament. Uh, people forget that Marco works death matches uh, because they haven't he seen was it. A, Just yeah, me. He was a, yeah, he was in a Prince of the Death Matches, was he not? Yep, uh, Jason. yep Prince of the Death Matches uh, for IWA Mid-South last year is where I discovered him single-handedly uh, before anybody else knew about Marco Stunt. I told everybody that's, to Google Marco Stunt, remember? That's uh, yeah, This is 100% accurate. Was, this is not a bit. This is not a fucking bit. <laughs> it was actually it's me. Uh, me yeah. and me and Dylan Hales, we discovered him on the same day, and uh, he's got a wrestling promotion, and I've got a podcast that seventy people listen to. But you know, it's okay. Oh God, this baby's going fucking nuts. I also have a baby. Right. Uh, whereas <laughs> I don't know uh, Dylan's. Uh, well, I'm not gonna. Say. We're <laughs> it's not out there. It's out there. He, he's yes. public about it. He's he, he's you know whatever. Um, love love Dylan. Love Dylan Hales. Uh, 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 wrinkly old balls. No, that's his own there. Uh, snaky, uh, good. Very, snaky, yes. good. <laughs> snaky good, snaky good, snaky good. Yeah, book, get very Morales booked for something. What the hell? Is that? I mean, come on, buddy. Yeah, the sure. dude. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's so. friend to uh, our, our friend Matt. You know, yeah. I don't know. I would know about him, but if we saw Mucha Lucha, and I'm like, all right then. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, the other big thing, well, the other big thing for us is that uh, uh, Josh uh, Joshua Bishop and uh, Matthew Justice are announced as. I'm not sure if they're appearing on the actual show or just the after show, um, the after show show. But, uh, yeah, after they jumped off of, like, a 35-foot balcony and destroyed themselves at AIW uh, two weeks ago, they immediately got booked on this show the next day. So yeah. uh, just goes to show you, if you jump off the high thing, then you, you, will, you will sail to even higher places. Um, looking forward to seeing that. And uh, who's, your, who's your prediction for who's going to take it all? Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Jimmy Lloyd takes it, but I yeah. would rather see Alex Cologne. Yeah, I think I'm. But, I think I'm the same way. I think Jimmy Lloyd makes the most sense, and I think he will. But I, I would love to see a final. Uh, Alex Cologne just defeated Jimmy Lloyd on uh, the show here in, in the suburb of Chicago uh, earlier this month. So I think I think it would make sense for them to fa- square off in the finals, um, and that would be that would be a hell of a. Jimmy Lloyd gets his win back and wins the tournament. I think that would be the way to do it. Uh, but I'd love to see Alex win it too, because he's a scary yeah. person. Yeah, uh, this uh, you know some hard workers. You know your you know your guys you've made. You know yeah. you didn't. You know I mean you don't have Eli ever fly around as much anymore. Uh, thank well, he, God for that. But... He, he broke Marco Stunt's leg. That yeah, was his fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because he's not good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I probably won't be able to watch this show uh, live over the air. I would like to, but uh, it's hard to... I'm not going to make my two kids watch a deathmatch tournament. Um, but, you know, I'll get around to it. I'm not going to make them watch Deadwood tonight either. But you know what? Me and my wife are going to watch Deadwood at about 10 p.m. Um, after we get the kids to bed, we're going to have a few drinks. Obviously, I'm working overnight shifts, so I'm not drinking as much, which is great, but it sucks also. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, you know, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. And uh, and obviously, the next show that we do is going to be a, a review of 
Deadwood movie <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and of this tournament. So look forward to that. Uh, coming Sunday, we're gonna, the first time we're gonna release three episodes in one week. Uh, really picking up the pace after, after we took a little hiatus there. Um, but no, for real, um, we'll be back, um, next week in theory, um, with our next episode. Uh, we're gonna be joined by a, a guest as long as he doesn't pull out. Um, and, uh, he's a prolific podcaster. He's been on all the big wrestling podcasts recently. Um, and we're looking forward to having him on. Uh, I'm not gonna say his name just in case he pulls out and then I can pretend it was somebody else. Um, and yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. I'm looking forward to our, our summer of podcasts. Um, I think we've got some cool stuff lined up. We don't have the Deej coming on, but I don't think he would fit our show, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we would immediately ask him why, what would the hell the deal with the Jessica Havoc giving him a blowjob angle was about. Yeah, we want to know. Would, yeah, that fits our, that fits our, you know, general, you know, on we, we of the show. Jessica Havoc, we should talk about her more on the show. She's, uh, She's a gem. Have you seen her Twitch stream? God no. Yeah, well, she you're... seems very. She seems like she would. I'm not even going to say heated game room. She just seems like she would just say it. Yeah, she's not sucking any dick on that stream. <laughs> can uh, I put that? Can I leave that in the show? Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and call it. 